Dinks, no dinks, big bass, Bass Edge Radio, brought to you in part by MegaWare Keelguard. Protect your boat from harmful rocks and debris with the industry's first do-it-yourself keel protector. That's right, Kurt, MegaWare Keelguard are also manufacturers of the FlexStep and SkateGuard. Be sure to log on to keelguard.com. Bass Edge Nation, we have a jam-packed show with so many happenings over the last few weeks in the bass fishing world, and even more coming rapidly. Aaron, I hope I didn't hit a generational gap with that intro. But uh, going old school game show on you. But hey, this is an exciting time of year, and many of us are chomping at the bit to say goodbye to old man winter and hello to big bass season. We certainly are, given the weather that we have had. But this episode, we are going to discuss some interesting news on Jay Kumar's Bass Blaster emails and then discuss some pre spawn fishing with BASS Open Champion in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. Let's hammer down. Bass Edge Radio is ready to rock. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the Powerpole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, Powerpole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, Powerpole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Powerpole, swift, silent, secure. Visit Powerpole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing. Coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. I'm sure you have seen the airwaves lighting up your email from the Bass Blaster concerning a guy that I think you have some connections to, that giant fish that was caught on Falcon. Yeah, man, I was so excited. I tell you what, I opened up my Bass Blaster the other day, and I see this huge fish, and my buddy, Bruce Benedict, who is actually from here in Del Rio, Texas, was down in uh, fishing a Bass Champs event at Lake Falcon and reeled in a 15-and-change ginormous freaking bass, so... uh, (laughs) I was super excited to see that. And, man, I tell you, there are so many exciting things that Jay Kumar talks about in those Bass Blaster emails. Yeah, and, uh, you know, another one I saw, and this includes you, is the MLF Selects that's coming up. Talk to us a little bit about what's going on there. Yeah, Aaron, I'm actually super excited to uh, have been invited to fish in the uh, Major League Fishing. And uh, they're starting an expansion that's going to be taped in 2014, and it'll be airing on television in Q1 and Q2 of 2015. So, yeah, man, I'm... I'm totally stoked to be a part of Major League Fishing for this next year. Well, and again, for those that uh, are not on that email list, great thing to have coming into your email two, three times a week. And be sure to go to BassBlaster at BassGold.com to get signed up for that. Jay Kumar does a great job of getting out what we need to know concerning the sport of fishing. Kurt, in the meantime, I know uh, you've had some time on the water with a really stupendous top ten finish down on (laughs) Amistad. Well, 
well, thanks for the, uh, that's a $10 word, stupendous finish. So <laughs> yeah, man, I was really excited to perform well in a really tough event. You know, Amistad's been fishing fairly tough lately, and anybody that looks up the uh, tournament results here can see that. But fortunately, you know, I've spent a lot of time on the lake here, and I really had to look at the lake as a new place because, you know, it was so tough to get bites. You kind of had to think out of the box to uh, get some things working. But had a top 12 finish there, and I'm uh, really excited, obviously, the first tournament of the year. So um, hopefully it's an indication of more things to come. Talking about more things to come, Aaron, the buzz in the office about this new opportunity for Bass Edge Nation. Tell me some about it. It is an exciting opportunity for Bass Edge Nation and a good friend of Bass Edge that has really 25 years of experience in the fishing industry, sold his former company and has now started a new national wholesale and distribution company featuring Lucas Marine Products. And really what he is wanting to do is kind of floated this out to Bass Edge Nation exclusively looking for those few individuals that might want to join their team, whether it be on a part-time or on a full-time basis, but to get involved in the fishing industry. It's an opportunity that creates a lot of leeway for someone's schedule or someone who wants to just get out there and be a part of it. Yeah, well, you know, anytime you've got to be in part with the fishing industry or things that are going on, got to be super exciting, and, and especially the fact that you can just kind of get involved slowly, kind of dabble in it. If it works out for you, boom. But anybody that's interested in that situation needs to send an email to info at BassEdge.com. Again, that's info at BassEdge.com. Let us know that you're interested in that opportunity, and we'll put you in touch with the right people if we think it's a good fit. But for now, we're going to roll right into our Marine Tech Minute brought to us by Protect the Harvest. Chemist Mark Negus is going to give us some valuable information about how to keep our boats and cars and trucks in tip-top shape with Lucas Oil Products. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine Products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Tech Minute is brought to you by ProtectTheHarvest.com and finds us with our in-house brain, Mark Nagest, top chemist for Lucas Oil Products. Mark, our last discussion left me feeling, well, got to be honest with you, a little brainwashed or manipulated by the outboard engine manufacturers, making us believe that we need to use their branded oil. Clarify what semi-synthetic is and why that is the obvious choice for watercraft. Okay, well, when you talk about semi-synthetic, what you're talking about is the product containing a certain amount of synthetic components. Synthetic components are typically what's referred to as PAOs or polyalpha olefins or esters. And what they do is they give you better high temperature protection, better oxidative stability, which means better storage life. But the main thing is it's not necessarily the base oil component that's going to give you the protection, but it's also the additive system. The additive system is essential to making sure that you have the performance requirement that you need in the application. This segment certainly continues to pound out the education. This is Bass Edge Radio. Two fishermen came together with one agenda. To construct bass boats superior in design and build with a flawless finish. With our boats exhilarating handling and smooth ride, extreme rough water just doesn't exist. 
We're not just building a boat. We're building a legend. Legend Boats. Hey everybody, this is pro angler Kevin Short, and you stay right here with Aaron and Kurt on Bass Edge Radio. In our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight today, we get to chat with previous Bassmaster Top 150 competitor and a BASS Open champion who hails originally from the Northeast but relocated to the state of Texas a few years ago. Bass Edge welcomes for the first time professional angler Dave Mansu. It's a pleasure to have you on the program, Dave. Hey, Kurt. It's awesome to be here with you and Aaron. You know, looking at the distinguished list of anglers having previously been on the show, trust me, I'm truly honored that I'm being a part of it right now. Well, Dave, it is great to have you on Bass Edge. And, you know, we see so many anglers make moves to the south. And other than the obvious, given the weather that we've had, you know, here the last couple months, but why did you decide to locate in Texas? And what lake in the state did you choose to make home and why? It's interesting, Aaron. You know, uh, as Kurt mentioned, I'm from the Northeast. I'm actually from New Jersey. was uh, an active angler with the New Jersey Federation up there. But, uh, you know, there's always that lure of Texas fishing. And, um, having fished the Top 150 and the Bassmaster Tour before it became the Elite, I got to know Harold Allen real well and visited him quite often down here in Texas and uh, kind of um, fell in love with the Toledo Bend area. One of the great things about Toledo Bend is it's not a recreational lake by any means. It still has a great deal of trees standing above the water line, so it's truly a fishing lake and uh, just has an awesome fishery. And then you have Rayburn, which is uh, just 30 miles away. I can fish either one any time of the year, and uh, you know you just can't get that in New Jersey. Now, as you mentioned, although this winter's been a little strange, we've actually had some snowfalls, one of which was significant in that it was four and a half inches. But typically, you know, uh, we're looking at spring right about this time of year, and it's just an awesome time to be here and, and be on the water chasing those big Texas bass. Well, I'm sure that snow made you feel a little bit like you were back at home, Dave. Oh, <laughs> uh, man, it's been absolutely crazy. You know, uh, I recently fished an FLW event on Rayburn where we actually had to cancel a day because of the snowfall. So uh, something that was not anticipated coming here to East Texas, but uh, uh, you know, it's nice that it doesn't last very long. Yeah, that's for sure. I tell you, you know, you mentioned the Rayovac event that you fished over there at Rayburn. You got to check there. I saw on your stats, which is great to see. And then, man, you came down to Lake Amistad, posted a top 10 finish at the BASS Central Open. Congrats on that accomplishment. You know, it was obviously a tough bite. Anybody that's been following the tournament scene a little bit and following Amistad. And, you know, it seems whether we're a weekend tournament angler or, or even a kayaker trying to catch bass, we go through these issues from time to time time, and that is having difficulty catching fish when it's tough out. How do you overcome the mental adversity of that type of situation going into an event and ultimately being able to realize success? Well, Kurt, great question. I'm going to make it sound easier than it actually is. However, you know, you have to stay positive. There's no doubt about it. You have to stay positive and you have to believe in yourself and your abilities. You know, tough is an understatement. For me, at the Open on Amistad, I know your listeners are going to have a difficult time believing this, but I went five days of practice without a bite. You know, wow. 
I'm still amazed by it. If you want an opportunity to question your abilities and um, test your strengths, that was it. It was very difficult for me. You go through different emotions, highs and lows. You really start to question yourself. But the reality is you have to stay positive and you have to believe in your abilities. And having a little support from some friends isn't a bad deal either. But, you know, the knowledge that one bite can help you put the puzzle together is really what you have to believe in. And that's what you have to look for. Every bite you get tells you something. And every bite you get helps you put that puzzle together, which uh, is extremely important. I also had the experience where similar things have happened. You know, a few years back when I won the BASS Open on the Upper Chesapeake, extremely difficult conditions going into that event. It had rained for nearly two weeks up there. Bites were at a premium in practice, and I really didn't have many. But the final day of practice in 30-degree uh, temps with 30-mile-an-hour winds and pouring down rain, I finally got a couple quality bites that really keyed me into what was going on. But uh, that was actually in the last hour or so of practice for that event. So, you know, it can happen at any time. We'd much rather have those key bites and key parts of the puzzle to come into place early in practice. But unfortunately, it doesn't always happen that way, and you have to realize that, and you've got to stay strong. Dave, you mentioned there real quick about getting that one bite that can lead you to uh, some success or get you rolling, you know, kind of out of that potential slump that you might feel like you're in. I mean, that's a great tip for anybody out there. If you're not getting bites, just keep shifting, adjusting, and boom, you know, you get that one bite, and all of a sudden, it's going to potentially lead you to a great weekend of catching fish or maybe even a top 10 in an open. That's an awesome tip. I appreciate it. It's just important to keep trying different things. And really, you kind of have to go through a progression of techniques and applications with each location you go to, you know, in order to get that bite that's going to tell you something. But you have to believe that you're fishing the right seasonal pattern and the right baits for that pattern in the right areas. And then, you know, eventually you'll get that bite that'll tell you exactly what the fish want and what they're doing. That's right, Dave. And, you know, I think even with that, the bites that you're not getting also tell you something. And, uh, you know, let's shift gears here quickly because we're heading into the time of year that everybody looks forward to. And it's this transition period we have coming from winter into the pre-spawn conditions. What type of structure and cover are you looking for in the pre-spawn period? Like anyone else, you know, the fish have been deep for some time now, typically in their winter pattern. You know, the water temps, even here in Texas, the water temps have reached the mid-40s at times. So um, they're hanging off the deep edges out in the deeper water. You're really looking for areas that have either a creek channel running through them or the river channel kind of bends and touches what we would consider to be a spawning flat. Those fish are still looking for access to uh, deep water and quick access to it. They're not going to come up on those long sloping points. But uh, no, I like to look for those areas and try to find the fish either bunched up in what I would consider a staging point, whether it be, you know, uh, a main lake point or, again, a creek channel or a river bend. But as the water starts to warm, I like to look for dark bottoms. You know, if you can find an area where pads grow during the summer, you know, you get that dark bottom that really heats up quickly. I find that those are some of the initial places I can find them shallow, and I really like to fish them a lot with uh, shallow running baits, whether it be a square bill, a a swim bait, or a chatter bait. Those fish are up there roaming around, and eventually they're going to clean out a spot on that dark bottom and spawn. So I've found that it's the first ones are the north-facing banks, but, you know, a lot of people get hung up on just the north side of an impoundment when in actual 
sexuality, it can be any north-facing bank, whether it's on the south side of the empowerment or the north side. So those are just some of the keys that I look for. Dave, how fast do you find, you know, you started talking about those movements from that pre-spawn, you know, kind of into the spawn. How fast do you typically find those fish move from the pre-spawn locations to the spawning site? And what do you notice to realize this movement of the fish is starting to occur? Great question. I have to go back to, I think it was 2003, 2004, Dean Rojas catches a monster bag on Lake Coho. I was part of that event. I fished that event down there, and we went through a very strange weather pattern there on Lake Coho in which it was really cold for that area of Florida leading into the event. But the last couple of days of practice, each day in the afternoon would get up to about 70 degrees, and the water started to warm very, very quickly, and it happened to coincide with a full moon. The final day of practice, that's all I did was stand on a trolling motor and look for fish that had come up to bed, and um, really didn't find any. One or two here and there, you know, you might catch a cruiser somewhere, but really was not anticipating that that was going to happen the next day. Figured that I would fish, you know, a grass pattern I was on in the morning and then go look in the afternoon again. But the reality of it is, is those fish came in almost overnight. That's how quickly it can happen. And it really is so dependent on the weather conditions and the water temperature. I can't stress enough to the listeners that watching water temperature on your grass is extremely important this time of year. You know, one to two degrees difference can make such a big difference in how the fish are reacting to the pattern and to your bait. So water temp is probably the key thing. And it's watching that weather pattern throughout the week. If you're a weekend angler and you're coming into uh, Saturday or Sunday period where you're going to be on the water, watch that weather pattern and, and watch how quickly the temps are coming up during the afternoon. Like anything else, you know, they like that warm weather too. You know, when you're all bundled up out there in the morning and it's cold and then suddenly the sun comes out and you start to warm up, you start taking clothes off. Those fish are feeling the same thing, and they're looking to come up shallow to enjoy that warmth as well. Dave, real quick, you mentioned water temps. What what exactly temps are you looking for? Dial the listeners in on that progression that you're looking at your graph, you're checking out your temps. What are those temps? I'm going to say that it probably differs from region to region, but here in Texas, and I did find it as well in New Jersey in many occasions. You know, a lot of people think that 60 to 65 is, uh, you know, that's kind of the norm for fish to come up and spawn. But, you know, over the years, you know, through my experiences, I found that some of the biggest fish in the lake will come up around that 55 degree mark. And that's usually when I start, you know, when wow. it starts yeah. touching 55, I start looking. I start looking real hard. And you'll find some of those early big fish up there when nobody else is looking for them. So, uh, you know, that 65 mark is a benchmark, but I wouldn't be afraid to look at them at much lower temperatures. And in the true pre-spawn period, if those fish have been sitting in anywhere from 45 to 50 degree water, and it starts coming up to 50, 51, 52, especially in the afternoons on a calm day, they'll be looking to cruise around that shallow water and enjoy that one to two degree difference. Yeah, that's good advice right there, Dave. And, you know, I'm assuming that living in East Texas, you're probably very very familiar with grass and certainly just being on tour you've got to be familiar with grass but does it seem like you can throw out all the variables in seasonal movements and patterns when grass is present in a lake no and i don't think you can ever throw out the seasonal patterns they pretty much remain the same no matter what kind of lake you're in whether it has grass or it doesn't the one difference with grass is throughout those seasonal patterns they'll use different levels and depths in the grass but it's still bait dependent the bait has to be in the grass they'll be there either in it 
or on top of it or, you know, off the sides of it. So uh, early spring, you know, you're looking for the fish to be up on top of the grass. It's a little bit warmer there. They're going to react to baits coming over top of the grass, not through the grass. And then, you know, one of the great patterns here on Rayburn and Toledo Bend in the summer is, you know, that punching grass down in that 15 to 18 foot range. Those big fish like to get down in there and just kind of rest up after the post-spawn. And then in the fall, again, you can come up on top of it with uh, frogs and topwater baits. So the seasonal patterns still exist. It's just you've got to adjust your approach to uh, what depth they're in at that time of year. All right, good deal. Well, Dave, you've obviously got some fantastic knowledge on these pre-spawn fish, and we want to continue picking your brain. But first, we need to take a short pause in the action. Bass Says Radio will return in a jiffy. At O'Reilly Auto Parts, you're guaranteed to get the everyday low price on the parts you need. Our guaranteed low prices ensure you're always getting our best deal. In fact, we'll match any local auto parts store's price on any like item. We have the parts you need at prices you can be sure of at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Bass Edge Radio, presented by MegaWare Keelguard, where we have Dave Mansu in our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. Lucas Oil, high-performance marine products. From real oils to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturer's requirements, visit them at lucasoil.com. It works. All right, moving right back into our pre-spawn discussions, Dave, what types of baits do you rely on and what specific retrieves are most productive for you in this pre-spawn time of year? I don't think it matters where you're at, but particularly here in, in East Texas and lakes throughout Texas, you know, the trap style bait is the most recognized bait this time of year. Just about everybody's throwing it. There's no doubt about it. And we all know the popularity and the size of fish that the umbrella style rigs can catch. And they're excellent tools this time of year as well, but those trap-style baits really catch a lot of fish this time of year. Despite the fact that the water is very cold and the fish are somewhat lethargic, for some reason they will react to that thing zipping by them. So that's certainly one that's always on my deck. The other one would actually kind of be a tie. I really like to throw a swim bait this time of year. Slow, thumping swim bait. You know, it's an easy meal for a big fish. And then something that I've really gotten into recently and, you know, obviously has had a great deal of success throughout the nation on the pro level is the uh, vibrating baits, you know, the chatterbait style bait. I find that it really is a great application for this time of year, no matter what the cover the fish happen to be around or the depth that they're in. I'm going to expand it to three and say I got three on my deck this time of year. So. <laughs> All right. We'll let you slide with that one real quick. But, you know, you talk about the trap style baits or, or really the lipless crankbaits. What kind of retrieves are you utilizing this time of year that you seem to have really good success on? And, and how does that vary throughout the uh, progression of the season like we talked about earlier from cooler water temps to as they start to warm up? It's not any one retrieve. You know, the retrieve style can change from day to day, and I think it's important for your listeners to understand that. You know, fish are moody, just like any other creature. One day they want it moving real fast, the next day they want it moving real slow. You know, there are days, especially when the water's real cold, where you really almost have to 
hang the bait up in the grass here and then rip it out in order to get that reaction bite. And then there's other days where you can throw it out there and just reel it in as fast as you can, and the next thing you know, they've got it. So it's very important to bury your retrieve and determine exactly what mood the fish you're in that day and let them tell you how they want it. The one thing we can't do, although we think we can, is force a fish to eat. We all think we're good enough to make them eat whatever we're throwing, but that's really not the case. We've still got to allow them to tell us what they want and how they want it. So it's important to bury that retreat. Dave, you alluded to this a little earlier, but Kurt tells me that you have an interesting view on vibrating jigs and fishing that I think that many of our listeners would like to hear. Can you share your favorite weights to fish that bait and why? First off, Aaron, I think throughout my use of vibrating style baits, I've learned that their versatility is endless. You know, obviously it became into prominence through some events on Lake Okeechobee, which is known to be really shallow. But if you take that bait and you adjust the weight of it and the blade size, its applications are endless. You can fish it throughout the entire water column. And here, over the winter, I will use a small blade on the front of the bait, and I like a three-quarter ounce model, which actually I have a friend pour for me. I'm not aware of any commercially made bait in that weight, so I have to have them made for me. But I really like that weight because of its versatility. I can put a big blade on the front of it, and it will allow me to fish it shallow. I can put the smaller blade on it. I can fish it shallow at high speed. I can also fish it. I've caught fish down to 30 and 35 feet with it, where you just throw it out, let it settle to the bottom, and then slow wind it in, you know, much like you do with many other baits. Or you can yo-yo it. You know, that vibration of the blade that low in the water column is something that they don't normally see. Um, and it gives you the advantage of them not being familiar with it. So there's a lot of things that I like to do with it. I think there's so many more things that we can be doing with that bait. And as time goes on, you know, you're going to see more and more guys fishing at much greater depth. The half-ounce models are very good, but again, you'd have to put a really small blade on it to get it to work effectively at the greater depth. So I tend to use the heavier models whenever I can. Well, I tell you what, Dave, obviously you've got some pretty interesting opinions. So I'm going to bounce this one off you. I'm getting ready to go fish a few tourneys uh, over in Georgia and Florida, and I'm guessing that bed fishing is probably going to be a pretty big factor in those events. I'm interested to know what's your favorite bed fishing bait on Toledo Bend and why? Kurt, you know, something that I always try to do, no matter what region of the country I'm in, if I'm in a tournament where they're going to be on the beds, I do try to see what the prevalent prey is in that impoundment. A lot of places have really strong crawfish populations. Here on Toledo Bend, there's a lot of lizards here, believe it or not. No matter where you go, you're going to see a lizard. And the bass here, throughout the winter and the spring, man, they love lizards. Green pumpkin lizards probably my favorite here. They just don't like it being anywhere near the bed. So I'll throw one of them. And another one is a pretty simple bait. I mean, it's just a straight stick bait, whether it be a Senko or any other Senko type bait. I really like the fact that it falls erratically into the bed and you can get the tail end to stand up just a little bit. You put a big 5 odd hook in it, tail will stand up a little bit and you can shake that line. Just the tail will quiver. And um, I found that they react very well to that. So I try to keep it pretty simple. You know, look at the prevalent bait in the area on that particular lake and then the baits that you have confidence in. You know, the lizard and the stick bait are really my top choices. All right. Well, I'll be sure to have a few of those in my boat when I figure out what is the prevalent bait down there where I'm headed. And bass setters, make sure you know that too about your local lake. You know, take Dave's advice, obviously. Look for where that main forage is or what kind of things that work best for uh, springtime fishing and your pond. 
on. So tell you what, it's time for O'Reilly Auto Parts, the professional parts people listener question. Today's question comes from Corey Warren in Morris, Oklahoma. Corey asks, a few years ago, I started to hear and read about the benefits of fluorocarbon, so I decided to try it out. But by mistake, I purchased fluorocarbon coated copolymer, not knowing the difference at the time. Since then, I've absolutely gained 100% confidence in it and the ease of its use and its multiple applications. I use it for everything but deep cranking since it doesn't seem to let my baits run as deep. I never hear much of anything about copolymer from any of the pros or its uses or benefits. Are there applications I shouldn't be using it or would maybe have better results with a different line? I don't use mono much and a few techniques. I do use braid. I get everything I want from that copolymer fluorocarbon. Dave, what can you tell Corey? Well, it's, it's a great question, Corey. We certainly appreciate you uh, sending it in to us. You know, he's right. There's not a lot of people talking about copolymer lines. Everything today is either fluorocarbon or braid, and even mono has been removed from many conversations. But I'll be honest with you, I've used copolymer lines for years. I found them to be uh, extremely strong, abrasive resistant, and the great thing, for, especially for the weekend angler, is, is they're typically less expensive than fluorocarbon. Fluorocarbon lines can be very expensive. Now, the one thing that I want to point out to Corey is that typically copolymer is about half the diameter of mono. So although it may not have the same sink rate as fluorocarbon, it still sinks. So there are certain applications that you probably wouldn't want to use it in, and that's, you know, your top waters, your pop bars, your salmons, your chug bugs, and things like that. But for everything else, it works. There's no doubt about it. And uh, I'm sure, you know, obviously he's realized that. For the top waters, a lot of guys are going to braid as well. So in those situations where line visibility really isn't a factor, braid can do the job as well. Otherwise, on top waters, I like to use mono. I go right back to mono. It's tried and true, proven. You know, you really don't have any issues. Fluorocarbon and copolymer, you really got to be careful with uh, tying your knots and make sure there's no abrasion there, no friction. Wet them up real good so that they don't break. My only um, tip to Corey would be, you know, if he's having trouble with the copolymers and getting his crankbaits down deep, you might want to try to go to a lighter line size. You know, as I mentioned before, copolymer is extremely strong. So quite often I would find myself going to a six and an eight pound test line in order to get the bait down to the deeper depths. The reality is, is the line strong enough to handle it. So you might want to give that a shot. Well, and I think guys too, uh, Corey kind of answered his own question there. And one of the things that he pointed out, he's gained a hundred percent confidence. Confidence goes a long way. I don't care what you're using, if it's bait, line, what have you, but that's great stuff right there, Dave. Line can certainly be a challenging subject at times as the technology grows and, you know, it really continuously becomes more technique specific. Thanks for your response, Dave. And Corey, thank you for sending in your question into the show. And please send us an email letting us know that you heard it answered to redeem your $100 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. And Bass Edge listeners should continue submitting the questions for the pros and providing show feedback via our email support at BassEdge.com. And remember to include your name and hometown. Well, Dave Mansu, it was great to have you this time to chat. And I am sure Bass Edge Nation has just become better anglers. Any final thoughts uh, for the listeners before we let you go? Well, Aaron, first off, again, it's been an honor to be with you guys. You know, I've listened to many of the shows in the past, and it's a great source of information from some awesome anglers. I hope I've helped the Bass Edge Nation in some way today. Spring is a great time of year to get out there. You know, my good friend Harold Allen always says, you know, anyone can be a hero in the spring. So if you get an opportunity, <laughs> yeah, take a kid fishing and give him a chance to be a hero. You know, it's a, it's a great time to get out there and let them catch some numbers and maybe catch a fish of a lifetime. Don't forget to put it back 
you know, we have to have our breed stock in the lake if you're going to keep a fish, keep a small one. But uh, there's just one thing, you know, I'd like to share with your listeners, Aaron, and that's, you know, in my previous life, I was a law enforcement officer and actually completed a 30-year career in law enforcement prior to leaving New Jersey and coming down to Texas. But, uh, you know, something I share with, with people at all my seminars and I'll share with the Bass Edge Nation is in my 30-year career, I just can't recall arresting a kid with a fishing license in his pocket. So I think there's a reason for that. If you get a chance, take a kid fishing. Well, that's awesome, Dave. Appreciate you sharing that and all the great tips and techniques. And i got to be sure, you know, I continue to try that three-quarter ounce uh, vibrating jig. I think that's a, that's a sleeper and a great tip for everybody to have. We'll see you soon out on the road. Bass Edge Radio takes a quick break. Now you can order Bass Edge Season 3 on DVD. Own the best resource for tips and techniques in bass fishing as host Aaron Martin tackles lakes across the country with the industry's top pro anglers, including Denny Brower, Boyd Duckett, Randy Howell, and Dave Wolak. This two-disc set includes all 13 episodes. That's over 10 hours of Bass Edge, including interviews, bloopers, and highlights, all for just $19.95. Order online at BassEdge.com. And be sure to check out previously released DVDs like Bass Edge Seasons 1 and 2 and Electronics 101. Bass Edge Season 3, now on DVD at BassEdge.com. Kurt, you know, we've had a lot of guests on Bass Edge Radio down through the years, and the caliber just seems to keep getting better and better. And Dave Mansu certainly hit the nail on the head with today's guest. Yeah, Dave did. You know, he brings a lot of experience. You know, he's been fishing for a long time, fished the Bassmaster Top 150s. Let's face it, you know, that was the Elite Series back in the day. So, uh, you know, no stranger to catching fish, and, and his diversity that he brings to the table is amazing. He lives at East Texas Bass Factories, catches tons of fish, which really gives him the opportunity opportunity to be able to express to our listeners all those different little intricacies that can help us be better anglers. And not only better anglers, but better people. I loved his comment about that he has never arrested a young person with a fishing license in their pocket. Let's always keep that in mind. Unfortunately, we are out of time as that is a wrap for the early March edition of Bass Edge Radio. I am Aaron Martin, and for Kurt Dove and the rest of the Bass Edge staff, we'll see you next time at episode 180, airing March 15th. So long, everybody. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard Keel Protectors. The Edge is presented by Keel Guard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil Products, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, PowerPole and Rapaholic.com.